1: I am Alan Ward, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 23rd of October, 2009. As always, I suggest newcomers look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. On the website, you'll see hundreds of audios for download free of charge. Where I try and cover a lot of the big picture and fill in the gaps of uh, ancient, middle, and recent history and to show you that the world is always planned ahead by those who currently rule. They don't give up power, they never have deemed to give up power even before we were given the idea of democracy. And I try to show you how, through alliances and systems and organizations and fraternities, they simply bypassed democracy to make sure that there was no real democracy. It was a red herring for the public to believe in, just like money is. And to show you that they always plan the future from their own writings. Rather than going to conspiracy blogs and so on, I prefer to take the writings and the memoirs of guys who have been involved in it and been quite open about the whole direction of the world, where it's to go, how they're going to do it, the kind of time frames it would take to get different parts through. And uh, that's what I put together for you. So in CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, you can download these audios to your heart's content. Also, when you're on the website bookmark all the other sites I have up for future use because sometimes the big ones freeze on me. They don't automatically upgrade their um, hard disk space, as I say at Yahoo, although they're supposed to on an unlimited space. That's the plan I'm on. And for some reason, I'm the only guy on the planet that gets this problem, it seems. So if you, if you bookmark those other sites, you will get the shows, the latest shows, from the alternate sites. And it's com. CuttingThroughTheMatrix.net.us.ca There's Alan Watt CuttingThroughTheMatrix.ca and Alan Watt Sentinel.eu The last one has the same audio as the rest but it also has uh, the addition of transcripts for download and prints up of a lot of the talks I've given uh, and they're written in the different languages of Europe. And as always I tell you, uh, and this is no habitual spiel just for the fun of it, Uh, I need your support to keep going because I'm not backed by anybody. The ads on the show are paid by the advertisers or companies straight to RBN, the radio station that this is broadcasting on right now. And that pays for the airtime, their equipment, their technicians and all the other stuff. So it's up to you to keep me going and you can do so by buying the things I have for sale on my website, my books and so on, or you can donate to me and you'll see how to do it on the website. Also, those who get the disc passed to them to play on CD players, you can touch with me at Alan Watt, site 41. Box 4, Esther, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P, as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1. P-3-E-4-N-1. And yes, that's the whole thing with uh, the system we live in. We live in a fake reality. We're treated like children. We're given trivia. We're given little crises as well to deal with and worries galore, especially since 9-11. This is the age of shock and awe as they shock and awe the public uh, into the new world order that they say themselves is a new world order. They mean it's completely to be new, a new way of living for everyone and a new system of lifestyles which will change rapidly from now to the year 2050 with rapid depopulation of the planet over that period. And this is no fantastic theory, it's coming from their own records, the ones from the military projections for the next 50 years for the US, Britain and NATO countries. Back with more after this break. Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, once again talking about reality versus the fiction that's promulgated by the mainstream media and goes down through schooling called history. This uh, story, his story, that's what it stands for. It's the official stories that we've been told that we must learn and believe in. And it's almost sacrilege today not to believe in the authorized versions of history. And it's always been this way. Kings used to have authorized historians who would praise the king uh, regardless of his personality or his, t- or his temperament or how bloodthirsty he was and, and give you a nice version of a say a merry old England type of deal. And nothing, is, of course, is further from the truth. But these guys were keeping their heads, literally, and being well paid for it by writing these glowing reports of flattery. And really, that's gone on ever since, even even though we think we have a more, more critical assessments of politicians and, and leaders of governments down through the ages since democracy was given to the public as a front but really the parallel government com- comprised of the elite who decided they were not going to share power with anyone um, write the histories they actually employ them at the Royal Institute of International Affairs actually employ the official historians in fact Winston Churchill who was out the loop at one point as to just how big the organization was. uh blew his top in Parliament, and, it, and he said it's disgraceful to know that one group of people with such power can write even all the history text for the British schools. All the people who were members of an institution that were responsible for the creation of the history as well as writing their version of the events. And again, Quigley said that. He said, these guys have been responsible, Professor Carl Quigley, been responsible for every major war from the late 1800s onwards with the goal of conquering the planet and bringing in a nice brave new world scenario where, of course, they'd rule it and they wouldn't have all the excess peasantry to deal with. They wouldn't need, eventually, the form of democracy that had fronted for them for so long. And they wouldn't need sports and entertainment and and a consumer society, we wouldn't need the pleasures at the bottom to keep going because we wouldn't be here, literally. And they were the ones who set up the League of Nations which became the United Nations, private organizations by the way, uh, that now seem official in our minds. Anything can be made official in our minds by constant repetition and misleading documentaries. Centralization was at the core of everything and going back to Karl Marx he talked about the need to centralize power uh, to to have total authority not just within a country or a nation but eventually he said that these countries that had centralized power could then combine in leagues and when that was done then they'd have a, a super parliament above them which would be which would treat the lesser ones like a provincial parliament or government. That's happened already. That's what happened in Europe, America, as well in the process. And in fact, by 2010, the last signing of the last part of the total amalgamation under the NAFTA is done. And then everything is integrated. It might take a little while to implement it visibly to the, the public, but most of it has already been implemented. The article, Fortress America, that came out about two years ago, uh, pretty well went through the whole agenda. That was in the newspapers in Canada. Total integration of the economies, taxation. They already said bureaucrats in the U.S. and Canada from the federal governments could interchange jobs then. They are already doing that. You could apply for a job in Canada to the States and vice versa. And all taxation revenues, import duties were shared between the countries. All data to do with security was shared so CSIS, CIA, FBI, all joined together. Done deal. And as you see, Karl Marx talked about this system, centralization, the need to do it. And we see how the European Union was brought in on stealth and lies, always deceiving the public. See, no, it's just an economic deal. Uh, make trade easier. And every year, politicians went off Leaders of European countries to meet at yearly meetings, and they come back, and all the press would tell people was uh, they were signing closer ties. That was the term they used, closer ties. That means binding, binding, completely bound together. And eventually they had the, the last uh, tie um, tied up, and lo and behold, you've got a parliament there, a super parliament that runs in secrecy at the top, where the top executive Uh, makes all the rules and laws. The politicians are just a front. They have no voting power over any law whatsoever. And it's not democratic. It was never intended to be democratic because they don't believe the public can behave themselves responsibly, make responsible decisions. And that's why the world has seen this nanny state, this Fabian nanny state across the world take over. And it's really rearing its ugly head all around like a massive hydra. And no sooner does the Irish vote go through and they're, they're rampaging ahead now. It's a done deal for the European Union as far as you're concerned. It's a super parliament. It's now a super empire. In fact, it's, it's the new Soviet, the new upgraded Soviet that it was intended to be. Remember, they favor collectivism. That's what the Club of Rome said years ago, of the premier think tank. And that's what we've got here. Now, they plan to bring us down scientifically as the population dies off, this present population, with increasing cancers and diseases and all the rest of the stuff which is introduced by many methods, including, including the needle. And they do, what they, they do what they mean to do. To them it's very practical at the top. They don't sit there with moral qualms and, and have some sort of um, emotional response of their pet getting put down. They don't even have that with the public. To them, it's a very pragmatic thing to do: just start calling the population silently, and, and manage the reports in the papers. Oh, cancer is skyrocketing, but we don't know why. Maybe it's, maybe it's greenhouse gases, and so they always use everything that they do to their own advantage. This article here is from the Guardian. dot uk. It's about the Copenhagen summit. The Copenhagen summit, people don't realize, is the cap of it all. It literally puts all of the signing countries under the auspices, completely under the auspices of the United Nations. And when they sign it in December, it goes into effect in 2012. That 2012 was the year that was deemed that the UN would re-rupt its full strength as the front, and that's all it is, is a front for world governments. This uh, says here, Copenhagen summits. Europe offers to cut emissions. Now, listen to this: 95% by 2050. Isn't it amazing? That's where all these military think tank reports go up to 2050, where they say the drastic reduction of population by 2050, if deal reached at Copenhagen. And it says, Europe attempted to reassert its international leadership in the fight against global warming. So it's, it's still saying global warming. But I said that a few years ago. I said, you know, even though we're cooling, these guys will stick to their mandate. I don't care if you're up to your neck in snow. They'll, they'll still tell you you're warming. That's how they are. Easy. And it offering to slash its greenhouse gas emissions up to 95% by 2050 and by 30% by 2020, if a climate change pact is sealed in Copenhagen in six weeks time do you realise that that means 95% means you you will not be alive because you couldn't heat yourself you couldn't eat yourself for one thing you will have no transportation whatsoever but that is the idea under and you must go into the other part you see of the United Nations for agenda 21 the agenda for the 21st century it says right in there that everyone will be in these new or old compact cities and there will be no private transportation. We're just living through a script, you see, written a long time ago. Says, this should be seen as a clear message to the world, said Andreas Karlgren, the Swedish Environment Minister who chaired the Luxembourg meeting. We expect to reach an agreement in Copenhagen. He added, after Environment Ministers from 27 countries finalised a common EU negotiating position. So they're on a roll to get this done, and that gives full authority. That means all, our, all energy, means all business in every country, by the way. And the that exists won't be able to survive either, with all the penalties for carbon and, and all the right, and energy consumption. Energy consumption. How can you run a business? or a manufacturing company without production without energy but that's the idea how do you create a world of peasantry you must make it happen take away that which which just takes them out of peasantry reverse the procedure they're back in peasantry simple and most will never believe it as the, they go down the whirlpool they won't believe it's happening that's total denial And it's quite astonishing, too. The U.S. thinks it was out of the loop with Kyoto that they didn't sign it. That was just a PR stunt. Oh, we didn't sign the Kyoto Treaty, so we weren't in on it. And um, we'll be okay, blah, blah, blah. But actually, it was signed by President Bush Sr. back in 1992. And I'll put the link up for you to look at from the government where he signs it into law. And the average American didn't even know it. Didn't know it. As it says, statement on signing the Framework Convention on Climate Change. And that was on the 12th of June 1992. Same year as they had the Maurice Strong-led Convention on Climate Change and so on back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. As I say, the average person lives in a fake reality and it's done by the media and the trivia that's dumped on them and all the distractions that they're given and so they're never really conscious of of the times that they're moving through they're living through and the big boys count on that and they know all this stuff too because we're the most studied species on the planet but as i say most Americans thinks, think they didn't sign on to the Kyoto, well, believe it or not the US led it and finally funded it all absolutely funded it all the US is awfully good for using their, the taxpayers of the citizens to fund this global agenda and once it's all done they'll collapse the system back home and they'll say thank you very much Americans but Bush Sr. signed this agreement, as I say, on the 12th of June 1992, the, US, the Rio Earth Summit that was a uh, a rockefeller world health uh, world, uh, united nations organization along with uh, as i say maurice strong and rockefeller they drafted up that whole thing this says here statement on signing the framework convention on climate change this is bruce senior i have today signed the framework convention on climate change on behalf of the united states of america that was awful kind of him with, without asking the people eh? This landmark agreement is a major step forward by the international community in taking action to address global climate change. It requires countries to formulate, implement, and publish national programs for mitigating climate change by limiting net emissions of greenhouse gases. Then he goes on about the, the framework convention, as he called it. it is comprehensive, covering all sources and sinks of greenhouse gases provides flexibility for national programs to be reviewed and updated as new scientific information becomes available. These are important and desirable features. Then it goes on and on to talk about the, the steps that'd already taken. And um, even had projections for emissions uh, down to 200 million tons below projected levels in the year 2000. That was also their target then. But it was ongoing so this is not a recent thing they never tell you what what the real things that they're signing are at the top it's never really mentioned much in newspapers and if it's in a newspaper at all it's a little paragraph with a boob babe next to it and a little little scandal to take your mind off things that's the standard way they do it they they got that from the British papers that are way ahead on that kind of stuff making everything surrealistic nothing is really new it's all surrealism that's people have no idea what it all truly means you can't just cut all emissions it also means all energy production even for making say a shirt or something or a pair of socks that's to be dumped on you the cost of the energy that they, they estimate it took to create that pair of socks is going to go down to you at the bottom level and for every other item you buy and even your food definitely your food And they're going to make you, through massive propaganda campaigns, feel guilty about it all. That's the intention of it. This is how the sadist always uses their victim, make you feel guilty. They're masters at it. Masters. And unfortunately, it will work amongst the public because the public are trained, and it's true like the masses. Bernays was quite right, it's so easy to to train them. Especially the leaders and groups. If the groups already exist, you go for the leaders, the followers follow the leader, and before you know, they're all working along on the same agenda, and only the guys at the very, very top it runs it all really knows where they're taking them. But it's never where the followers think. Never, ever. And this article here was from theguardian.co.uk. And it says here, as I say, it's the one about the Europe offers to cut the emissions by 95%. Now, do you realize that's pretty well like saying 95% of us won't be here, or at least the population size won't be here by 2050, obviously. Obviously. There definitely will be a massive clampdown in the next few years, the cars off the road altogether. You better believe it. Until only the very wealthy can afford the fees the high fees and excess fees and penalty fees to, dr- fees to drive. that There's no doubt about that at all. As I said, in Agenda 21, they say that only um, essential vehicles only, that's military, police, ambulance, bureaucrats, and so on, will have uh, private vehicles. Everybody else must take public transportation. To do that, they'll only be available within the already overcrowded cities, and all they have to do is last those overcrowded cities until we're all pretty well dead and out of the way. Remember, these articles too I put up on my website at the end of each show and you can look them up for yourself. No conspiracy here. They publish the stuff. But then you're supposed to think. You are supposed to think. Remember what Brzezinski said, the public have been trained, they said. "This isn't shortly, they'll be unable to reason for themselves because they'll expect their media, especially television, to do the reasoning for them and it's so strange that you can make all these big announcements and people somehow still think well that can affect me yeah well who do you think it does affect or is supposed to affect yes it does affect you it does affect you punishment taxes on everything that consumes energy and of course it's a big rip-off con game it's nothing to do with global warming or climate change or any other terms that they wish to use on you. It's nothing to do with that at all. It's a way to bring the world into this eugenically perfected state of an elite. The death, the gradual death of the working class, all the laborers, even the middle class, and then the creation of a small population of better servants to serve the elite. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because
0: you can handle the truth.
1: Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix. I've talked before about the Club of Rome. as a premier think tank. And all these think tanks work together in one big organization. They're all specialized in certain areas. The Club of Rome was set up to find a way to unite everyone, to fight against a common enemy, to bring the world into one system. And they worked at it for a long time. They said in their own writings, in the book The First Global Revolution, they said they'd have to find some sort of war scenario because only under war conditions do people give up all their rights and work uh, and uh, suffer towards a common goal for survival and this is what they said the founders wrote the book the first global revolution printed in the 90s but they say it was around 1972 they came up with this idea it says in searching for a new enemy to unite us we came up with the idea that pollution the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like, would fit the bill. That's in their book, Club of Rome, the First Global Revolution. That was their job, find a way to con lie to the public, so to give all their rights, and find a new enemy, so man would be the enemy to, of the planet. Man was a problem. As far as famine and water shortages, they create that, you see. Because private companies, for since the 80s, have been formed to buy up the water rights across different countries. And then they're restricted, as called, water shortages. Famine, well, so easy now when five agribusinesses, which are really one, because they're the same, same controlling uh, shareholders in every one of them, running the world's food supply, that's an easy one to pull off too, right? We've seen them spray the skies like crazy since '98 in Canada. They were doing it in the '80s in Britain, and we've seen the effects of weather modification. I've given the articles out on weather modification. I've given you the links to the one on HARP for the video, and the HARP itself is used in, in, in conjunction with the metallic spraying they've been doing for years. We truly are out of the loop of reality at this level in the bottom, completely out of the big big picture as a wizard of Oz does his magic tricks even above the, uh, the skies our heads above into all the air we breathe and we're given nonsense at the bottom to concentrate on and as they're doing it of course along came 9-11 right on cue to give them the warfare scenario too a war on terror which is a war of terror because everyone's terrorized by the way that the governments have gone. In unison, all together, telling you of the incredible connections between all governments of supposedly independent sovereign states that all had the same um, terrorist bills already going to go into action. All rehearsed long before. All together. And are there are those people out there who will never believe it. They'll never believe this version I'm giving them here. No matter about the evidence that I can give them and many others have given them too, these people will be in denial until they're in rags. They're paying for rags, in fact, and the energy that was created to make those rags. And paying also for the disposal, by the way. You know, in some countries, including Britain now, uh, they used to dress up uh, the corpses for the funerals before cremation. And now one company, I believe it is, it's great how business is involved in all of this. One company got the contract to supply all the shrouds. They get burned now in these environmentally friendly shrouds. Everything, they all get in on it, don't they? Big bucks, big bucks. You're the only guy that can supply these shrouds. Through a bit of lobbying for your friends up there in Parliament. Not bad at all, isn't it? Disgusting. Disgusting world we live in. And we watch it happen. We get ripped off by banksters. And we see who the governments serve when they protect the bankers and reward them. In fact, make sure that they lose nothing. Not only does all the money disappear into the bankers' hands, they're rewarded for, for it happening. They don't serve the public. When, when will people ever, ever get to understand that? When will they ever understand? Probably Never. And they'll keep voting for this party or that party and get laid up the garden path like the Pied Piper to the bitter end. That's sad truth. I've read so many articles about the criminalization of everyone. See, we're all potential criminals under this terrorism thing because none of us apparently know when we'll become a terrorist. We, We might actually harbor subconscious terrorist dreams. You just don't know. And we will all be psychologically evaluated to make sure that we're a citizen that can walk the streets, albeit under observation 24 hours a day, and probably microchipped as well to make sure. And all our telephone calls, faxes, emails, and all the rest of it, monitored and kept in storage to make sure that we keep our same habits and don't don't stray from our habitual ways. And once again, as long as the public can switch on their TV sets when they go home from a rotten day's work and get hypnotized in front of their favorite television shows and drink their booze or party at the weekends and have a bit of sex and all the rest of it, then everything's fine. Party, party, party. That little circle that's your life, that little circle, that's what it is. As long as that doesn't change too drastically, too quickly, Uh, you, you don't care what's happening around you they'll eventually come to you they'll come to everyone on Monday, October the 5th on Washington Times it said criminalizing everyone it says you don't need to know you can't know that's what Kathy Norris a 60 year old grandmother of eight was told when she tried to ask court officials why the day before federal agents had subjected her home to furious search the agents who spent half a day ransacking Mrs. Norris's long-time home in Spring, Texas, answered no, uh, no questions while they emptied file cabinets, pulled books off shelves, rifled through drawers and closets, and threw the contents on the floor. The six agents wearing SWAT gear and carrying weapons were with, get this, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. See, all these services are now bully-boy authorities. Kathy and George Norris lived under the specter of a covert government investigation for almost six months before the government unsealed a secret indictment and revealed why the Fish and Wildlife Service had threatened their family home as if it were a training base for suspected terrorists. Orchids? Orchids are looking for? That's right, orchids. By March 2004, federal prosecutors were well on their way to turning 66-year-old retiree George Norris into an inmate in a federal penitentiary based on his home-based business of cultivating, importing, and selling orchids. Mr Norris testified before the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Crime this summer. The hearing's topic, the rapid and dangerous expansion expansion of federal criminal law, an expansion that is often unprincipled and highly partisan. It says these two leaders, the different leaders who... um, who discussed this thing at the meeting. But uh, the point of the whole story is, it says, Mr. Norris ended up spending almost two years in prison because he didn't have the proper paperwork for some of the many orchids he imported. The orchids were all legal, but Mr. Norris and the overseas shippers who had packaged the flowers had failed to properly navigate the many, often irrational, paperwork requirements the U.S. imposed when it implemented arcane international treaties new restrictions on trade and flowers and other flora so you have no idea people out there have no idea of the thousands of new laws that are put on the books every week and we're all breaking the law somewhere without even knowing it that's what they did again in the soviet union They'd let you go unless they really wanted to pull you in. And then they'd just watch you for a day, see what laws you broke. You didn't even know there were certain laws from walking on sidewalks and so on. Boom, pull you in. And why are the fish and wildlife guys, why do they have SWAT teams with the power to smash doors in and drag people off into the nights? Everybody wants a black uniform. All these young guys, you see, who are purposely given the most base culture that any previous culture has ever been given through the culture creation industry and fed a diet of video games, violent video games where the object is to be part of a team, the winning team, and kill all the other guys who came in your path. And here's a chance now, here's a chance to get the black gear on, get the machine gun, and go stormtrooping. And they will love it. They love it. They're on the winning team. It's because the elite wanted to bring this present stage into play. They decided long ago they would need a generation who are like that, who would have no real morals as such. Having no real morals doesn't stop you wanting to bond and belong. They knew that because of gang experience. Gang members, if you join a gang, they become your father. Often you haven't had a father, don't know who he was. And the gang is your source of protection. Then your, your, your soul belongs to the gang. They're your buddies, you'll fight and die for them. That's why they raised the people in degrading circumstances, often from single mums and all the rest of it, split homes, because they said to would destroy the family unit, gave them a debased culture, the most debased ever. The state, as Bertrand Russell said, would eventually give them their morals or lack of the bonding is still there once they get into the uniform they're now a brother you see a brother of a special elite group and he decided to do that over 20 years ago raise a generation for this present time that's why it was done you think it's all happenstance there's nothing in the culture industry that's happenstance nothing nothing comes from the grassroots on anything So that's that but one day we'll all be up on something some ridiculous law that we hadn't even heard of eventually if you wear leather shoes you'll be in in jail why do you think they brought in these awful sneakers that rot people's feet because it really is you're wrapping your feet in woven nylon plastic byproducts of the petrochemical business because years ago in the 60s the United Nations, they said that eventually eliminate leather because the plan was to eliminate cattle and all meat as well from the diets. That's why. You think a fashion appeared and it's made nifty through movies and characters and, and artists on the stage and in the movies that you emulate? No. All planned for you. You don't even know why things happen. You don't know why you dress the way you do. People out there are, are a dream, a marketer's dream, a Bernays' dream, where you buy stuff for snob appeal, as he said, creating snob appeal, and you become a walking billboard. People, people don't greet you, they read you, but they read your back, your front, and all the rest of it to make sure you got the proper attire for that class. Change society. That's what Bernard says you change society, then introduce the product. So you prepare society and you change society for the product. Done. It's quite interesting, too, that this new European Union, as I say, are really going ahead now. They're going to really brainwash the children. I read an article earlier this week where they're going to give mandatory education lessons to give. Their version of how the European Union came about, because there was too many bad rumours out there. They said, so they're going to be taught in school the politically correct version of it. And because now centralised, they're no sooner centralised, they're already running ahead with all their laws and rules and regulations. It says in this article here from Times Online: World Agenda, no role for democracy in search for Europe president. The Reform Act of 1832 swept away dozens of Britain's rotten boroughs where comfortable sinecures were left in the hands of a tiny number of voters. The 2009 Lisbon Treaty will give an electorate of 27 the power to choose the president of Europe. This is the European Empire. 27 people get to vote in it, not in the public. It says, in one of the European Union's greatest missed opportunities in a long list, the European elite shunned calls to add the spice of democracy to their bureaucracy by making their first president directly elected by its 500 million citizens. No, they're going to do it within themselves, the secret bunch at the top. Then it goes on to mention that uh, uh, it's been linked to Tony Blair, who has declined to confirm his candidacy because they're not allowed to mention it to people so he just plays around when he's asked is it it you that's getting it you see nothing is democratic in this system the club of Rome said the same thing they looked at all the possible systems of the world and they had concluded that the collectivist meaning socialist um, communist system was the best way to rule the people and that's what we got here we are folks here we are talking about the culture industry you know I used to watch when I was young the different uh, crazy things that came out from the states because um, it was bad in Britain when, uh, when I'm just too young to really understand what was going on except these guys were getting presented as pop stars and it had, they'd be interviewed as they fell off literally fell off chairs stoned and then the, the broadcasters just have this tee He thing which meant isn't, isn't this kind of naughty folks isn't we isn't it naughty and that's what really was coming down from the top down to the public oh this is a naughty thing to do and every youngster caught on to it and then all the older ones were stoned out their skulls before I knew it and that's how things really are but when I saw some of the American stuff especially I think the old Saturday Night Live I thought this is just so zany and bizarre these guys are just flying on something and that's exactly what they were they were flying on cocaine some of them talked about it years later they went backstage every time and it's a snort, snort, snort And then he came out jumping up and down the stage and screaming and doing all this silly stuff that the the, the idiots as an audience thought were funny. This article here is from Times Online. October 21st, 2009, senior broadcasters on cocaine were praised for creative genius. Broadcasting executives addicted to cocaine are routinely praised by bosses for the creative genius, a former BBC producer told Members of Parliament. Cesar Graham, who worked on children's programs for the corporation and took cocaine for nine years, said, said the use of the drug remained widespread among senior media executives and taking it helped to boost their careers. She appeared before a Home Affairs Select Committee inquiry into the cocaine trade. Mrs. Graham Forty said that she'd been offered a drug on her first day at the corporation by a Radio 5 Live presenter. The producer and presenter took me to a Soho media watering hole after the show. I had a few glasses of champagne... Yes, if I wanted to go to the toilet and do some coke, I'm ashamed to say I didn't know much beyond the hype and glamour about the drug, and I said yes. Now she's an addiction counsellor and said that many TV executives continue to use the drug beyond their 20s, but as it warped her character and her behaviour became more erratic, were often praised for their off-the-wall brilliance. Yeah, crazy, and folk think you're a genius. Back with more after this break. Cutting Through the Matrix, and we've got a caller from South Korea, Suzanne. Are you there, Suzanne?
0: Um, Helen, thanks for Suzanne. taking my call. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Uh, I just finished reading your Cutting Through series, and it's excellent. Um, but the reason I'm calling, I also just finished reading a book, The Dark Side of Christian History by Helen Ellerby. Are you familiar with it? The Dark Side of what was Christian it? History.
1: I don't think I've seen that one, no.
0: Well, I got it as a gift from my brother, and it was very eye-opening. It's about the Crusades, the Inquisition, the witch hunts, and it's amazing how history repeats itself. Much of the tyranny we're seeing today was experienced by those people back then, which, of course, the Inquisition, you know, spanned 600 years or whatever. But um, the priest class of that time is now... The scientists and big yep. pharma and the bureaucrats of today that's right and if you don't believe in global warming you don't believe in their vaccines you don't believe mm-hmm. their story of 9-11 you don't believe in their aid scam instead yep. of them labeling you a witch or a heretic they label you a terrorist or mentally ill or,
1: or a denier and it's you're, quite amazing you're quite <laughs> <a> denier yeah <laughs> so you're quite right yeah and i've said that for years the new priesthood are the the, the white clad scientific priests and they're just front men, of course, for the big corporations that fund them, all the big pharma companies and all the rest of it. But you're quite right. It's, it's the same system. It's more perfected. Uh, I mean, look at the incredible financing. Uh, we've got a bigger um, uh, team of military to interrogate the whole planet here uh, than the Catholic Church ever Church did with its Inquisition. And um, it's a terrifying thing to look at. But you're quite right. And not only that, they're going, they're going after the young too to make sure they don't have any, what they'll call, um, politically correct ideas. Uh, everyone, everyone has to come out with the same stuff, just like George Orwell put in 1984 as he's being tortured, uh, you know, so that you'll say that two and two mm-hmm. does not make four. It'll be whatever they tell you it is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Two plus two equals
0: five. that's it (laughs) well and there's this one quote by thomas jefferson in the book can i give it real quick yes
1: it says in
0: 1785 thomas jefferson wrote millions of innocent men women and children since the introduction of christianity have been burnt tortured fined imprisoned yet we have not advanced one inch towards uniformity uh what has been the effect of such coercion to make one to make one half of the world fools and the other half hypocrites." yes so true
1: (laughs) yes what oh, is. it is. There's no doubt about it. And, and yep. it's amazing, too, and that, when they have a world uh, under their belt, you see, they've got to find problems within all of society. The Soviet did the same when they closed their borders, the greater Soviet empire. Um, you've got to find enemies within. Everyone's a potential enemy, and that's the exact system they came up with at the Club of Rome for this new global world order. To, to maintain power at the top, they've got to f- create or find enemies. And that's what the... It's a war of terror on the public we're witnessing right now. Yeah, Yeah.
0: very scary. Yes. It's coming to Korea, too.
1: (laughs) Yes, it is. It's coming from all over the place. I was watching the problems over there they'd had with their their unions trying to get work, etc. One guy set himself on fire in a video I watched there. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a worldwide thing because the same big corporate holders, these internationalists, uh, have factories across the whole planet in big businesses, and they simply move up and, uh, to the cheapest place. And uh, once once a cheaper place comes yep. along, they just move lock, stock, and barrel, and you collapse behind them. That's all. That's what's done there. Yeah. But thanks Thank you for so
0: calling. much for taking my call, Alan.
1: Thanks for calling, and you take care. And, uh, yep, that's the brave new world is coming in, and people won't believe it even as it's happening to them. And believe you, folks, it is happening to you. It just haven't knocked on your door yet or taken it off by the hinges. So from Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, where harp and the weather uh, uh, modification is taking effect, it's night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.